stories told that uh, several years ago, there was a man, he had three sons, they were members of the church, but they were unfaithful, and uh, everything that could be done had been done trying to get them to come back and to be more faithful. The preacher had done everything. He, he had run out of ideas. Well, one day a rattlesnake bit one of the sons, and he was in very serious condition, so the family called the preacher to his bedside. And they asked him, uh, as that son was laying there very critical, said, please pray for him. And so the preacher said, all right, I'll, I'll pray for him. And he began to pray. And he prayed, Lord, you know how much work and how many prayers have been offered up with no success at all on behalf of this family. And a rattlesnake was able to accomplish what your body of people have not been able to accomplish for years. So please send three more rattlesnakes to bite the rest of the family. Um, Sometimes prayers can be prayed that I don't know that we want an answer for. And we might want to say, oh, I don't know if I want the Lord to answer that prayer. One such prayer is mentioned in 3 John verse 2. If you have your Bible, I want you to see that. It's a rather sobering prayer that uh, the Apostle John said that he prayed for Gaius. And I want you to hear what he says. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, as, that little two-letter word is an adverb of manner, And so he's saying, I want your health to prosper in the same manner that your soul prospers. wonder what would happen if the Lord answered that prayer. If, If someone were to pray for you tonight and say, Lord, let them be just as healthy in body as they are in spirit. Would there be a bunch of sick people leave here? Or would we feel refreshed and better than we felt in in ages? Um, I don't know that we're all ready to have somebody to pray for us and say, let that person be just as healthy as his soul is healthy. That may make us sick. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at how can th- this proposition, how can we begin this new year and stand before God and say, all right, it's time for an annual checkup. How do we stand before God, have a checkup, and come away feeling good about ourselves? How how can we accomplish this so that at the end of the day we get a good report? Is it possible to stand before God and get a good report on our spiritual checkup, the great physician? Well, I think it is, and I think David did just that. Because in Psalm 26, and if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there now because we're going to be looking at that text, those 12 verses in Psalm 26 for the rest of the lesson. But in this passage, David basically says, Lord, here I am. Uh, give me a, a going over. And, and I'll tell you what I've done and what I'm doing. And David fares very well in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3 reminds us that we need to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. So we need from time to time to do a little self-evaluation, some introspection. And uh, what better time to do it than the first of the year? 
So let's look at some things that David did as he stood before the great physician and said, check me over. And if we can do those same things, I think we'll have a good, uh, good result on our checkup. First of all, the first thing that he did and, uh, is that he invited the, the examination. Look at what it says in Psalm 26 and uh, verse 2. The uh, writer says, Examine me, O Lord, improve me, try my mind and my heart. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to make yourself... Well, sometimes we don't want to go to the doctor because we don't, we don't want to hear what he's going to say. You know, we'd rather just stay sick and just not know because we're afraid of the, the verdict. But David says, Lord, here I am. Try me. Test me. Prove me. Take a look through and through. What do you see? He invites the inspection. And we need to have that kind of openness about us. Are you willing to invite inspection by God? Whether you invite it or not, he does it. He knows. So we might as well, uh, you know, just just go ahead through with it and, and get it done and, and get it done in a way that will benefit us. Um, to have our life examined, how can we do that? How can we stand in the presence of God and say, give me a checkup? Isn't that going to not end very well? I mean, none of us are perfect, right? We all sin. We all do things that we don't want to do. And, and so if I go stand before God and say, hey, give me a checkup, man, look at the laundry list of things that he can say about me that aren't right. And, but there's a difference in weaknesses that we have because we're human and we stumble. And then there's those sins that are premeditated, they are, um, they're really who we are and what we want to be. We all make mistakes. We all fall. But deep down, do you want to do right? And do you regret doing the wrong thing after you fall? I, I think we can all relate to that. And that's what, that's the different, you know, if I have this high mind, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what God says. I like this and I'm going to do it. And, and I go into it, and I know that it's wrong, and I don't give a second thought about what God's Word says. It doesn't pain my conscience at all to do it. And when I'm done doing it, I don't sit back and reflect and say, ooh, shouldn't have done that. That person is totally different from the person who makes the mistakes, who stumbles into sin, and then after they realize what they've done, they say, why did I do that? It's foolish. I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I would have bit my tongue. I wish I would have said no. There's a great difference in those two. God makes provision for our mistakes. And that should be good news for all of us. Um, the second thing that David does, he number one, he just goes to the doctor. We need to do the same. But here's the second thing that I notice is that he trusts in the Lord. He trusts in the one whom, to whom he went. Check me over. See what you find. And he trusts the one who's doing the examination. Look at 26 and verse 1. He says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. You see, there's that. Here's a man. He wasn't perfect. He made mistakes in his life. 
But he says, Lord, I trust you. And I have trusted in you. And I'm living my life the best I can. And yeah, I've made mistakes, but I've repented. And I don't want to live in any of those mistakes. I don't want to make those a way of life. I I don't want sin to have dominion over me. Sometimes I'll slip. But I always want to pursue a course of righteousness. And when I get off track, I'm grieved over it. David said, I trust in you. And that's what we need. If we didn't have a God who was merciful, if we didn't have a God who sees our weaknesses and who has made provision, we'd be lost. What, what would I do today? What would you do today if the Lord, you had to stand before him and give account for your actions in the last week? Anybody leave, live a perfect week? Anybody do everything just right? Did anybody ever say everything just right? Did anybody ever have perfect thoughts in just the last week alone of your life? What would we do if we had to stand before God with just my last week's effort, let alone a lifetime? I wouldn't have a chance. Listen, I don't fret over my last week. Because I trust in God, and He is faithful. He'll, keep, he'll complete His promises. He's made provision for us. He sent His Son to the earth to die for us. He said that that sacrifice is sufficient, and I need to trust in Him. You know what happens to us? We, we fail to trust God. You'll see a person, when they first get baptized, they come up out of the water. Man, they could walk outside, and a Mack truck could run them over, and they'd be good with it. Because I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I feel good and we feel good about ourselves, check back with that person five years later and they don't feel so confident anymore. They don't feel so secure anymore. Why? Well, I've sinned between now and the time that I was baptized and so that kind of weighs on me. Do you not trust the Lord? What did the Lord say? If we confess our faults, He is faithful to forgive us our faults, to cleanse us from our sins. The same God who said he'll wash away your sins in baptism is the same God who said to the Christian, if you pray to me and confess your faults and turn from them, I'll forgive you. It's the same God. Trust him. Live in the confidence knowing that he's made provision for your imperfection. He knows you're imperfect. He demands that you be perfect. But we don't live up to his expectations, and we need to be thankful that he's a God who's made provision for our imperfections. David trusted in his Lord, and we need to as well. We say, Lord, examine me. Look at my heart. Know me through and through. And when you do, you'll see that I trust you. I'm not perfect, but I trust you. And David also said a third thing. I walk in your truth. Look at what it says in Psalm 26 and verse 3. He said, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. Sincerity isn't enough. David didn't say, Lord, look at me, and you'll know I'm sincere. Well, that's part of it, but that's not the extent of it. Sincerity won't save a man. We have to walk in truth. 
The Apostle Paul was sincere. Well, the Saul of Tarsus, the man Saul of Tarsus, he was sincere when he did harm to the church and to Christians, having them put in prison and so forth, but he was wrong, dead wrong, needed to repent and be baptized. We can be sincere and believe that everything we do is right, but we can be wrong about that. So truth, walking in truth. David could have confidence and stand before God with confidence saying, take a look because I, I walk in truth. I've, I've listened to what you said. I've, I've uh, walked according to your commandments and therefore um, I'm, yeah, I invite your inspection. Part of the problem that we have today and part of our problem sometimes is that, and we talked about this in Bible class just a little bit this morning, but the reason we feel a certain way is because we know. I said it this way. We feel because we know. We don't know because we feel. A person may feel saved, and that doesn't mean you're necessarily saved. You know why I feel good about my relationship to God? It's because I know the Word of God. I know I've done what He's asked me to do. My feelings need to be guided by my knowledge of God's Word. But some people want to do it the opposite way. They base their knowledge of God's Word upon their feelings. I feel like I'm saved. I feel good inside. And therefore, I must be okay with God. We feel because we know. We don't know because we feel. Feelings can be deceptive. Sincerity is not sufficient. We have to walk in the ways of truth. Look at a fourth thing that uh, David did, and it's that he separated himself from the wickedness of the world and the wicked influence of the world. In Psalm 26, verses 4 and 5, he said, I have walked, uh, excuse me, I have not sat with the idolatrous mortals, nor nor will I go with the hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. David said, all right, here's, here's what I try to do. Number one, I invite your inspection. I trust you. I, I try to walk in your ways. And I try to avoid ways that are out of harmony with your will. I don't want to go hang out with people that are doing the wrong things. I don't want to sit down and and make my company with those kind of people. I I don't enjoy that. You know, one of the greatest challenges that we have as Christians is to learn to abhor that which God abhors. It's easy to say I love God. It's harder to say I hate sin. Because I know a lot of people that say they love God, but they don't hate sin. And it's reflected in, well, the TV we watch, the movies we go to, the kind of speech we engage in. You see, if we really hated sin, it would affect our life more drastically. Oh, anybody can say they love God. I want to see people who say, I hate sin. And that's what Paul calls us to in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. David said, I do that. I don't want anything to do with wickedness. I try to separate myself from that. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, we're reminded, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. It's hard 
to be around people that don't respect God, don't have the same values, and make them your company, your best friends, your closest friends. And that's a pull. That's a tug. That is, it's an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle among your friends. It's an uphill battle in your marriages as well. Choose people that will help you to go to heaven. You know, I, I'm thankful for the Woodalls and uh, the Smiths. Marriage is, is a good thing. It's God-given. But I'm especially thankful when I see a Christian man and a Christian woman choose each other to help each other along the journey. Because it's more than just, marriage is more than just getting through life with a partner. It's helping each other to arrive at an eternal destiny. And I can't think of a better way to do it. Be careful of your company. David said, I am. Um, Exodus tells us, um, well, Moses said, shall we follow a multitude to do evil? Of course, the answer to that is no. We need to beware that we can be led astray. And then here's the last point that I want to share with you tonight. Is that as he stood before God, here's a key in his life. He loved to worship. How do you view worship? Is it something you like? Oh, great. Man, it's 530 already. Man, we've got to go to church. I'm so tired. I don't know if I can do it. I know we get tired. But you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see on Sunday night or on Wednesday night, instead of people saying, oh, great, it's Wednesday, we've got to go to church because they've had a bad week. I would like to hear people who have had a bad week and say, great, it's Wednesday, I really need to go to church. That, that envisions what the assembling and the gathering is supposed to be about. That's what God intended. That's why he commanded. Listen, I can worship at home. I can go through the elements that we have listed, the, the ways in which we worship God. I can do it all at home. But God calls us to assemble because of the strength, the encouragement, the, uh, the love that we share with one another. What, what's your feeling toward worship? Do you love it? David said in Psalm 26 and verse 8, listen again to what he said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house in the place where your glory dwells. He also said in Psalm 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It was something that he enjoyed to do. Malachi, different story. The people there said, oh, worship, oh, worship. What a weariness. And God was offended by that. And they wanted to know how that he had, they had offended God. And Malachi the prophet said, well, one way is you view worship as a weariness. It's an inconvenience to your life. Worship shouldn't be that. What, after what all God has done for us, we can't gather together and pay homage to him and encourage each other to just keep on keeping on so we can go to heaven someday and avoid hell. That's what worship is about. We need to love that. You know, I've maybe have written this or used it in a mercy mail since I've been here. But when I was a boy, one of the elders at the church where I grew up, his name was Fred Stevens. Fred had a dog. Fred lived uh, up on the hill a couple blocks away from the church building in Chester. And uh, Fred had a dog named Toby. And Toby just kind of ran 
ran loose and nobody cared much. And whenever Toby realized that nobody in the family was there, you know what Toby would do? He'd go to the church building. He'd walk down the hill two blocks and look for Fred and and the kids at the church building because he knew, hey, if they're not here, chances are they're at church. Even the dog knew that these people went to church. Listen, you want to answer a good question? Where would your dog go if you showed up missing? Wonder where that'd be. Would it be church? Does your dog know, hey, the habit of these folks is they go to church. I want our dogs to know that we love worship, that we go to church. David said, I love the habitation of the house of the Lord. I hope we learn to love being able to assemble with one another and to worship and sing praises to God and read his word and gather insights that will help us how to live and be strengthened by the community that is here. Um, because I'll tell you what, in, in a shorter time than all of us realize, all the things that we think matter and distract us from focusing on God, they're going to amount to nothing. And the only thing that will matter at that time is what, what is my relationship to God? How did I spend my life in reference to him. That's, that's it. That's all. That's the sum of life. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I mean, here's a man who spent his life trying to seek, what's the best way to live? What is good for a man to do all the days of his life? And he tried everything, money, fame, power, works, labor, women. At the end of the day, he said, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Man, that's, that's nothing. These are dead ends. I'll tell you what matters. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. I want us to be able to live our life, stand before God and say, look me over, examine myself, examine me. I walk in your ways. I trust you. I try to avoid evil. I love to worship. If that's our mindset, how can we leave that checkup without God saying, you're good, you're doing just fine? We'll get a stamp of approval if we do that. My conclusion is, and my desire for you is that, well, like David, I want you to be able to stand before God and openly say, give, give me a checkup. And I also want you to be able to pray that prayer that John prayed for Gaius. Lord, he said concerning Gaius and his family, Lord, let them prosper in health as they prosper in spirit. I would imagine for Gaius, that made him feel good. And for those who are trying to follow Christ and try to follow God and live in His, his uh, light, if, if I could prosper in health as my spirit, man, that'd be wonderful. I'd feel better than I ever felt. But I tell you what, if we're not living the right kind of life, 
that could be a curse. We could get sick mighty quickly if we got an answer to that prayer. I want us to pray, Lord, bless me in health as my spirit prospers and know that we're all better off for it. If that prayer is a prayer you don't want prayed for you tonight, make a change. What better time to change? I mean, we're at the start of the new year. This is a time of new beginnings. If, if you can't pray that prayer and say, I want to be just as healthy in body as I am in soul, if that can't be prayed by you, make it right. Come forward tonight. Ask God to forgive you. If you need to be baptized, if you need the prayers of your brethren, let's get your soul right so that you can pray that prayer. Won't you come as we stand together and sing?